Hello and welcome to Policy Pod, a podcast from the University of Southampton's Knowledge Brokerage Unit, Public Policy Southampton. My name is Giles and I have the pleasure of leading Public Policy Southampton, where we work to enhance the local, subnational, national and international public policy impact of research conducted at the University of Southampton. In this episode, I'm joined by Andy Tatum, Professor of Spatial Demography and Epidemiology and Director of the WorldPop Programme. So Andy, tell me a bit about your research interests and how this led to you founding the WorldPop Programme. I think my interests in the areas of, of population mapping and, and how people move around started really um, through work. And when I was at Oxford University, we were producing maps of malaria risk um, and assumed that we could there were good population data that we could just overlay these malaria risk maps onto to, to convert them into numbers of children at risk. Um, but when we started to look at the population data that exists, particularly in low and middle income countries, we realized there were major problems with it uh, and that we, we had the skills available to, to use satellite imagery, to use mobile phone data, to try and improve that data to complement those, those more traditional ways of collecting data from censuses and surveys. And so that's where my interest has, has expanded. And that's where we started WorldPop as a, as a research group and increasingly an implementation and policy engagement group um, to to try and tackle some of those problems and and see the the research used um, in a way that actually uh, affects people's lives in the end. That's really interesting. What do you think the WorldPop program means for policymakers? The early stages of WorldPop, we were very much a, a research group and focused on ways to to try and utilize the new forms of satellite data, phone data that were coming in, to, and then produce some data sets and just as a more of an afterthought putting those data sets out freely and openly um but we i think quickly realized that that wasn't a really a way to then get those data sets rapidly used so over the over the past few years we've been much more engaging with um, national statistics offices with un agencies to really hear from them where their challenges are and how the data sets that we are producing and the kind of also ways of using those data sets and training materials and um, uh, web applications, how can those be built and tailored towards the way that those organizations work so that we can engage with them early on and build data sets and research methods that can actually help answer their, their challenges uh, and not have this long, <laughs> long previous uh, process of us not being connected to them and having to uh, those data sets and methods filter down slowly over the course of years. Now we can now we can directly tailor what we're doing to their needs, which is really exciting. So how is a program like WorldPop funded? We are principally funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, though we also have funding from the, the Wellcome Trust, from uh, the European Union um, and from the UK Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. And how has the WorldPop program been involved with COVID during the course of the last year? Yeah, so we've always done a lot of analysis of population movements in terms of disease transmission. Um, things like malaria elimination, as you get down to very low numbers of cases, population movements become really important in terms of bringing in infections into areas that are trying to eliminate the disease. Um, and so we've had various projects going on, particularly in countries like Mozambique and Namibia, looking at mobile phone data. So as we all carry mobile phones around nowadays, um, those aggregate and anonymized data give unprecedented insights into population movements. And so when the COVID outbreak 
first started, we were able to use those data sets and uh, skills to adapt to to COVID, where the, the movement of people carrying in infections and spreading that around the world has become very important. So clearly, WorldPop is really useful for multiple nations during the initial response of the pandemic. How did the work develop in the last stages of 2020? Particularly, I'm really interested in this idea of how various social distancing and lockdown methods work in between nations. I think in the first part of the year, we we learned a lot about um, how we could bring in some of these movement data sets and models to look at how effective some of the interventions were. Um, and towards the middle and second half of the year, we we really looking at how could we exit lockdowns and how could we how could we make sure that those those lockdowns and other interventions we were done effectively. So we we looked uh, across Europe at how different countries were connected um, and. What happened, and looking at scenarios of what happened if one country didn't uh, do the lockdown in a in a good way, or came out of that lockdown too early, um, and the the different ways of coordination. So really, much a, a very much a message of international coordination that we all need to work together. Something that's um, very interesting in terms of um, the the Brexit situation, in terms of uh, U.S. states. Um, there's often scenarios of lots of countries doing very different things even though they're very connected by populations moving back and forward. So really came out with a message of the importance of, of coordination um, and also to, to utilize data sets that were being put together already in many countries. So many in African countries, there's, there's detailed data sets on population distributions, but, but nothing about how you should use those to, to tailor your interventions. So certain parts of cities and slum areas, it's very difficult to tell everyone to do social distancing when you're living so closely together. So it's using those data sets to identify different areas where different types of interventions uh, would be needed and, and uh, deliver those, work with governments to, to utilize them. How much clarity do you have between the movement of groups of individuals? So it very much depends on the setting and the, the data that we're working with. We, tr we try and get to as, uh, as, as detailed as a level as possible, but we don't need uh, individual level information. We're interested in the aggregate movement patterns uh, and really just the change in those movement patterns from places like a city to another city or a, uh, a county to another county and try to understand how those those movements have changed and how the the level of movement the relative movements from one from one place to another are um, and those can come from uh, working with companies like Google or Facebook um, or Baidu in China um, or individual mobile operators so it very much depends on the setting so regarding the work in in Mozambique are you looking to expand this into other African nations or other nations more broadly? Yeah, so we've done a lot of work in Southern Africa over the years um, in collaboration with the, the Clinton Health Access Initiative and the different ministries of health there to look at malaria elimination. Uh, the, the whole region is aiming to eliminate malaria completely. Um, and Mozambique is one of the, the hotspots left. And so movement from Mozambique into those other countries is impacting the, the ability of the region to eliminate. So we have some funding from the Gates Foundation to work with uh, the Ministry of Health, the Clinton Foundation, and Vodafone in uh, Mozambique to, to look at movement patterns from those phones and link it with malaria case data to, to understand what types of strategies uh, may be most effective to eliminate malaria from Mozambique. 
what has the work in Mozambique allowed you to do, particularly in relation to COVID, Andy? Since that work in Mozambique, um, we were able to, firstly, uh, the collaboration with Vodafone meant that we were able to, to quickly work with Vodafone data sets, uh, firstly, in Italy and Spain. Those are some of the countries in Europe that had the, the earliest outbreaks uh, and use those data to, to build models and link them with Google um, smartphone location history data, which is available across the whole world to try and link those data sets to understand population movement patterns across Europe. Um, at the same, same time, we also were working with Baidu data in China to understand what was going on in the early stages of the outbreak in terms of the lockdown in Wuhan, um, how many people had moved before that lockdown and likely spread um, across China. And then also integrate with air traffic data to look at the risk of spread from these Chinese cities to the rest of the world. So how do these collaborations work? Do you have links with existing government officials or do you access them through other networks? So it's a, again, it's a mixture of different situations. Um, so in, in China, in the early stages, um, we've had a long running collaboration with the Chinese CDC. One of our employees used to work there. Um, and so there was interest in, in what could be done quickly to, to understand the dynamics and what strategies could be to try and control the spread. Um, then through our links with the Gates Foundation, we were put in touch with the Africa CDC, also the Europe CDC, um, who were interested in what the, the spread out of China, what the risks likely were, and where surveillance should be prioritized. Um, and then we also have links with um, groups like uh, Facebook, who put us in touch with the UK Office for National Statistics, who were requesting information on population movements there. Uh, and also long-running collaboration for different statistical offices um, across Africa, who, again, were interested in different data sets for, their, for building their response. So it comes from yeah, a mixture of, of governments, um, funders, and different response agencies. I imagine there's lots of cultural differences between different nations. How do you support the policymakers in understanding the information that you've provided to them? Sure. So in the in the early stages in working with groups like the, the Europe CDC, China CDC and uh, Africa CDC, there's there's very specific requests that come about things like where where will surveillance need to be prioritized and with limited resources that they have um, to try and capture uh, infections coming in um, and working with the, the UK government as a, a lot higher technical capacity in terms of working with the data science campus at Office for National Statistics. And there we are, we are working as a kind of collaborator and interface between Facebook data, uh, processing that and providing outputs from, from the kind of requests they receive from cabinet office um, or from number 10. Um, and then with African governments, there's often a, a, a great variety of capacities in terms of um, geospatial mapping data. Uh, and so in some cases, it's doing all the analysis ourselves quickly. And in other cases, it's supporting them to, to work with the kind of data we produce. So Walpot must have received a number of different requests over the last nine or 10 months, Andy. How do you trace these forward to the policy choices which have been based on the information that you've provided? Partially, yes. It's, it's tricky because things take a time to, to filter through. And also things have been done very rapidly um, and, and not recorded in the kind of way that in other policy engagements they, they happen and we can track that those policy changes and impacts. Um, but certainly some of the early work and modeling work in China has been, been used to, to guide uh, the policy and the response and the, and the ongoing efforts there. Um, we did see the, the uh, uh, data we provided on risks of importation on prioritizing um, African uh, cities where the surveillance 
to take place that they were utilizing some of our data sets um, in the Europe CDC, the, the technical notes that they provide to governments across the European Union. Um, our analysis were, were part of that to guide those responses. And then reports that are produced and provided to, to Cabinet Office, um, our data sets are in there in terms of guiding uh, things like travel lockdowns, um, looking at how populations were responding in different ways to the, the interventions that were put in place. Have the requests that you've received changed over time? Looking ahead, what are your plans over the next six months as vaccinations are rolled out worldwide? Yeah, so we are continuing to do all kinds of analysis um, in multiple countries. It's actually growing and expanding. We're, we're doing some analysis in the US to look at um, holidays and the impact there. Um, we have some funding from the Gates Foundation to look at uh, the impact of seasonal movements on um, how how the disease is spread. I mean, the, the, the reason, perhaps one of the reasons why we're all facing this COVID pandemic is that there was the, the largest movement of humans on the planet, the Chinese New Year, uh, likely spread uh, COVID across China. And so trying to understand those, those movement patterns and how they vary seasonally and the impact on COVID is, is going to be a big priority. Also, we're continuing to work with the, the Office for National Statistics and uh, obviously it's a rapidly changing situation in the UK and every we have weekly calls and every week there's a new request coming from from cabinet office on these kinds of data sets um, and we're also now working with different UN agencies who are planning for the rollout of the, the COVID vaccine across low and middle income countries where they want to use world pop data sets to, to guide and understand how much uh, vaccine is going to be needed um, how the different plans can be put together. Brill, thanks for providing such a, a wonderful overview of the WorldPop programme. Where can listeners find out more information about your projects and the work that you're doing? Sure. So most of the, the work we produce, we put on our webpage. So it's uh, worldpop.org. Uh, and you'll see there's a, there's a COVID-focused uh, area of that. So that's just forward slash COVID-19. Um, well, it's pretty obvious when you click on the website. Um, also, you can follow us on WorldPop Project on Twitter for many of our more rapid and recent updates. Excellent. Thanks again for your time, Andy. No problems. If you want to find out more about WorldPop, links are in the show notes. I've been Giles. This has been PolicyPod. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and recommend wherever you get your podcast. It really does help to make us more visible. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the patience, perseverance and positivity of Teo Kuriaki in Public Policy Southampton, Kate Briggs-Price and Ben McQuig in Keep Busy Productions. Our music is by University of Southampton composition student Paul Forster. If you want to find out more about our work, you can find us on Twitter at publicpolicyuos on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash public policy UOS and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash showcase forward slash public policy UOS. Until next time, goodbye.